Amen. How many would agree this morning with this statement? Our God is an amazing God. You know, he just is. And uh, I was talking with Pam last night about our lesson today, and I mentioned it to uh, Jesse a while ago as well. Uh, as we study God's Word, and I mean really study it and, and, and see the continuity of, of all of Scripture, how can we not agree that God is the author of this? That it's not God-breathed. There's no, no way man could have written this story. Well, today we're looking at the standard to follow. Our family theme is to boldly honor God's Word. Our objective is to humbly obey God's Word and set an example for those around us. Our text this morning is 2 Kings chapter 22, all the way to chapter 23, verse 3, and then verses 21 through 25 in uh, chapter 3. We've got two key truths this morning. Number one, that you and I as believers would honor and obey God's Word and making it our final authority on what to believe and to practice. Let me stop here for a minute. I like that key point, making it our final authority. Why is that important? Why does that matter? Amen, yeah. Absolutely, and that's and you know you said in the world, but also in the church, in, in the theological realms. It's also interesting. A lot of Christians take their experiences over God's word, and we can't do that. It has to be our final authority in everything. What the scriptures, uh, solar scriptura, scripture only. Okay, with got to be our final authority. Our second key point that you and I set an example of obedience. And that we deal with sin. Who has sinned? Everyone. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. We all have sin. Under our Bible basics, things we should know, uh, we're encouraged to memorize Deuteronomy 26, verse 17. And I'll read it for you this morning. Thou hast avouched the Lord this day to be thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his statutes, and his commandments, and his judgments, and to hearken Unto his voice. Now, just a quick side note there. Of course, it's in Deuteronomy during the time of the Exodus. And uh, God, speaking through Moses, says to the children of Israel, You have made a vow to God. You have made a vow to him that he's going to be your God. You're going to walk in his ways. You're going to keep his statutes. You're going to keep his commandments and his justice and his judgment. And you're going to obey his voice. How long did that last? Not long at all. So please understand, folks, it's one thing to make that vow. It's another thing to keep it. But also understand, whenever we make a vow to God, he takes it serious. And Israel failed in that area. So today we're in 2 Kings. So how does this lesson uh, fit in the overall scope of the Word of God? Now remember, during this period in Israel's history, they're divided, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, today's lesson around 620 B.C. And what's interesting, we're going to find out they found a copy of God's Word 
in the church. Acts of the temple, right? What an amazing place, right? And shouldn't it be there? We'll talk more about that as we get into our lesson today. Let's go ahead and, and do where I get started this morning. Word honor, you see it on the on the overhead this morning. Um, what does it mean to honor someone or something? What does that mean to honor them or something? What's it mean? High regard, okay. Somebody else? That's good. Do we look up to them? I think so, okay. Um, why do we do that? Okay, that's right. Sure. And there you know, various reasons we can do that. Um, we know we do honor people. We honor things that are important to us. And we ought to. Now, by the way, uh, if, if, if it's a person, don't put them too high up, right? Now, give them the, the honor they deserve, but don't base your life and your eternity on that person. But it's important that we do honor people that are very important to us. Now, this morning, Lord willing, uh, we're going to find out that we can honor God's Word, and we're going to find out how we can do that in our lives. So here in 2 Kings chapter 22... Uh, the narrative now moves on to King Josiah. What do you know about Josiah? What's, what's, what makes him, what's one of, the, one of the things that makes him unique? Awful young, yeah. Anybody remember how young he was when he became king? Eight years old. Is that young? <laughs> what words you use to describe that? Awful, wasn't it? Awful young. Yeah, I agree with that, alright? We would never dream of that. But also, it's interesting, his reign uh, certainly was a reign of peace, prosperity, and reform. And he reigned over Judah from about 640 uh, B.C. to 609 B.C., about 31 years. Well, we're going to pick the story up in 2 Kings 22, and got a lot of reading to do today. So we're going to read the first 20 verses, and we're going to find out that you and I as believers honor and obey God's Word making it our final authority on what to believe and practice. Anybody want to volunteer to read 20 verses? Thank you. 
Thank you, Dan. How do you like those names? <laughs> but again, God's a God of detail, and we can see that as we read passages like this. Uh, Josiah is uh, king of Israel, eight years old, becomes king. Uh, there's no doubt he had some advisors, some guidance, uh, but most of all, uh, God was with him. And by the way, he would be the last godly king in Judah. It's kind of interesting, uh, the northern kingdom, Israel, had no godly kings. Uh, Jeroboam I uh, began that pattern. And as you study the book of Kings and Chronicles, uh, you'll find that uh, a lot of the other kings were compared to Jeroboam as to how wicked they were. Uh, Ahab was probably the worst of the northern kingdom. Uh, but when the southern kingdom, most kings, and, uh, and, and by the way, not every king in the southern kingdom were good godly kings. There were some. No kings in Israel were considered godly kings. There were none. But in the, in the southern kingdom, most kings that were godly are good kings. Godly and good kings were compared to David. And Josiah certainly would be uh, one of them. Now, again, just to give you a little bit of background, I think it's important. Uh, his daddy's name was Ammon, <clears throat> and his grandfather was Manasseh. You remember anything about Manasseh at all? Uh, say it again. Oh, okay, I didn't hear the word most, but yeah, you, I thought you said evil, but yeah, the most is what classifies him. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, indeed, brother. That, that's true. And, you know, he desecrated the temple. It was in disrepair. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm going by memory here. And I, I think if you count Manasseh and his son Ammon, uh, a period of about at least 52, maybe 57 years, where God's word had been disregarded. Uh, the temple had been disrepair. Now, one footnote about Manasseh. He was the most evil king uh, of the southern kingdom. But toward the end of his life, he did repent, and which is a, a bright spot. But the problem was he'd already done the damage. Now, how many know, how many know God can forgive anybody? But what he did, would you agree it affected the nation? Sure it did. And not everybody repented, but at least he did. But he's the most evil king of the southern kingdom. And by the way, Dan, I hate to tell you, I know that's not your opinion. The Bible says that plainly. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, it gives it very plainly. So you can imagine, you know, and I never could understand, uh, as, as we look at some of the things, uh, succession of kings. Uh, and again, there were good and bad kings. But how in the world could 
a good king like Josiah come from people like Ammon and Manasseh. But we see the hand of God uh, in his life. So chapter 21, we're not gonna, it's not part of our study, but that's where we see uh, the reign of uh, Josiah's father, Ammon, and of course it records his uh, uh, death. Now, so here we come to chapter 22, and again, Judah's youngest king, Josiah, comes on the scene. Now, if you would put Josiah's life beside that of Ammon or Manasseh, is there a difference? Yeah, what do you say? What do you think, Jordan? Oh, a whole lot better. I mean, what a terrific, uh, tremendous contrast. A, a completely, a complete turnaround between those lives. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Manasseh and Ammon both did evil on the side of the Lord. Uh, they abandoned the Lord. Now, again, Manasseh did come back to the end of his reign. But, uh, again, we have to understand, uh, things were not good in Israel when Josiah came on the scene. Now, sin was rampant. Uh, there was a lot of hopeless, hopelessness and despair in Judah. But it's interesting, we have a, a sort of a, a light, if you will, at the end of the tunnel. Early on here in chapter uh, 22, we find out that Josiah did what was right in God's sight. He did what was right in God's sight. So my, my question is this, does that make a difference? Yes, it makes a complete difference. Now, by the way, without a doubt, this had to bring encouragement to the nation of Judah. And the idea here is that Josiah had a heart to obey the law of God. Now, it's also interesting, we, we read from Deuteronomy early on in our in our. Uh, uh, things we need to know. But it's interesting, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 20, God talks about the future kings Israel would have. And God says, look, I don't want their heart to be lifted up above the other people. I don't want them to turn aside from my law and my commandments. I don't want them to go to the right or to the left. <clears throat> I want to, them to serve me. And God says, if they will do that, it will prolong the days of their kingdom. Now, please understand. I mentioned earlier the good kings of Judah were often compared to David. And my question is, was David sinless? No. And no one is. We know that. But he was a standard in Israel. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a good, godly kingly behavior, and the Bible says Josiah was living up to that standard. Now, also understand, and we're going to find out today, Josiah became a key figure in the history of Judah. And it's interesting, the name Josiah itself, it means Headed by Jehovah. 
Isn't it interesting? Headed by Jehovah. And so during his reign, Josiah was very instrumental in helping the people of Judah to remain faithful to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you had it in your study, in your study guide or not, but uh, in our teacher's guide, they have a sort of a list, if you will, of the highlights of Josiah's life. Well, first of all, at the age of eight years old, he became king. That's kind of amazing. Uh, during his eighth year, uh, at the age of 16, uh, the Bible says he began to seek God diligently. We find that in Second Chronicles. In the twelfth year, at the age of 20, he began to make uh, tremendous reform throughout the land of Judah. And we read that in Second Chronicles 34. During his 18th year, and we read that today in our lesson, in our text, Daniel just read part of that. Uh, during the 18th year, he began to repair the temple. And it was then they discovered the law of God. <clears throat> also, uh, prophecy was fulfilled uh, at the idol altar set up by King Jeroboam. Now, let me kind of share this story. I think it's kind of interesting Another point that this has to be God's word, uh, Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom, he was worried that uh, the Israelites of the northern kingdom would return to Jerusalem to worship, and if they return to Jerusalem, they may not come back. So he said, I'm going to build an altar up here, and we're going to worship here. Well, God sends an unnamed prophet. We don't know who he was. And if you remember the story, he... Uh, <laughs> He kind of, you know, pointed to Jeroboam and he said, God is going to burn bones on this altar and he's going to do it by a king named Josiah. Guess what happened? Guess what Josiah did? He brought the bones. Here's what's interesting. The unnamed prophet who went to Jeroboam that happened 290 years before the event took place. How would that prophet know the king would do that? How did he know the king's name would be Josiah? Got his word from God. 290 years before Josiah was born. What a God! And it came to pass just like God said that. And by the way, you can read that. In First Kings chapter 13, about that prophecy there. In Second uh, Kings chapter 23, you can read it as well in 15 through 20. So it's interesting. In his 31st uh, year, he was wounded in battle against the Egyptian army. Pharaoh uh, was Nico at the time, and he died from them wounds. Now what happened was this. By his 31st year in... Uh, being king, Assyria was losing their world dominance. And Babylon was moving quickly to gain world dominance. And Egypt was going to battle against Assyria. Now, Josiah did not like... I'm sorry, yeah... He was going to battle against Assyria in order to help Babylon gain more control. 
So the Egyptian army was coming under Pharaoh Necho, but Josiah hated Assyria so bad, he didn't want to see this play out. I'm trying to make sure I got this straight here now, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, they were going to, Egypt was going against Babylon, that's what it was. I make sure I got this straight. So, they didn't want Assyria to maintain it. They wanted Babylon to come in. But either way it went, Josiah decided, we're going to intervene. Now, again, and most scholars believe that is true, Pharaoh Necho believed he heard from God. This was what God wanted. Josiah refused to believe that. And Necho warned him, said, you don't need to die. Well, Josiah wouldn't listen. And because of that, he was killed in that battle. But nonetheless, the hand of God was with him throughout his most of his kingship. Now, it's also understanding, you know, he was very young. He certainly had people to guide him uh, during that time. And what's interesting, uh, because of the two previous kings, uh, they were experiencing the wrath of God. But it's interesting, because of Josiah's devotion to God, he was able, if you will, to delay the judgment of God. And for a period of time, peace was restored to the people of Israel. Now, we read today, just a moment ago, that during his 18th year as king, he, was, he would have been 26 years old, he began to do repairs on the temple. Can you imagine what a job that would have been? I mean, over 50 years it had been neglected. It had been desecrated by Manasseh. Uh, they brought foreign, you know, pagan idols into there. A lot of things uh, went on there. Uh, so it's fallen into, into total disrepair. So he sends, if you will, the Secretary of State, kind of what he was, with other uh, high-ranking officials, and uh, to meet with Hilkiah, the high priest. And it's interesting, many believe from the time of uh, Josiah became the king, uh, up until this 18th year, they had been collecting money, donations, to help repair the temple. And, And so, it's interesting, they would... Take those funds and do what with them? Who are they going to pay? All the workers. And we can, we can only imagine how much money had been collected in that period of time. So they're paying the workers. They're buying any material necessary to do the work. And it's also interesting. I, I find the statement kind of nice. Uh, what about these guys hand, handling, handling the money? What kind of guys were they? What did you say, Dan? How do you know that? Yeah. How often do you find that? Now think about that. But these guys were men of integrity. God says there was no reason to audit them because they handled God's money with integrity. And Josiah and the government officials had complete confidence that they would do what was right with the money that God had given them to be stewards over. 
But here's what's interesting, and Dan, you mentioned a moment ago a little bit. Hilkiah, this high priest, he finds a copy of the book of the law. Now, you know, for, for a long time, I, I thought, wow, why, why did it take so long? Well, first of all, God's house had been neglected for over 50 years. And uh, I think, Dan, you kind of alluded to this a moment ago. But had Manasseh found that copy of the law, what do you think he might have done with it? Yeah, he destroyed it. And so we have to believe that in that period of time, there was a priest who said, I better hide this. Now, I'm only assuming that, okay? But somehow, in some way, and I believe by God's providence, a copy of the law was hidden somewhere in the temple. Now, the, you know, scholars are, are not in agreement, not sure about this, not there's a debate. Uh, some would think it might have been a part of the law. Some think it might be the entire, the, the five books of Moses. We're not sure about that. But it doesn't matter. It's still the Word of God. And would you agree it was a very important find? Yeah. Now think about this. Now, so it's interesting. Hilkiah, the high priest, he takes the book, the scroll, it's what it was, and he gives it to Shaphan, the secretary, to be read aloud. Now think about that. To read it aloud. But again, don't miss God's providence in preserving His Word and protecting it. And by the way, God still does it today. You know that? He protects His Word and preserves it today. Now, it's interesting is this. So they take the scroll and they read it to Josiah. What's Josiah do? What's his first response? He's heartbroken. How do we know that? He tears his clothes. He is in utter grief. Why why is he heartbroken? Oh, yeah, man. And boy, I like that description, Wayne. You know, I, I think Josiah knew they were bad. Things were bad. Wouldn't you agree? But once God's word was read before him, he realized exactly how far the nation had fallen. So what do you think Josiah realized at that point? Say it again. Yeah. When? Yeah, now. We need to make some changes, and we need to do it now. Wouldn't it be great if we had a president in our country with a heart for God? If we had men and women in leadership in our nation who wanted to find God's Word and obey it. Now, don't tell me, folks, God can't make a difference. He did in Josiah's day. And the last time I read the book, we still serve the same God. He could do it in our day if our nation would just turn to the Lord. Wayne, I like what you said there. Can you imagine, as Josiah thought about this, 
as he contemplated on what he just heard and how far we have gone from God's purposes. Now, hold on. He's heard the book being read, and he's so troubled. Josiah says, I want to hear from God. So he sends five of his top officials, and he says, I want you to go find out from the priest, find out from God, what do we need to do? Isn't that good? My question would be is this, and I think you know the answer. When we are in trouble, who should we run to? Yeah, we need to run to God. Josiah is a king. He's got all these uh, officials that, and advisors. He could have gone to them, but where does he go? He goes to God. He goes to God. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Josiah feared the anger of the Lord? Sure he did. That's exactly why he responded the way he did. And, you know, he's the king. And yet he had a heart for God, but he also wanted to guide the people of Judah to do the right thing while turning the anger of the Lord away from them. Boy, verse 14. They seek out the prophetess Huldah. And uh, if I my memory serves me correctly, well, in fact, our study guide does say it as well. She's the only prophetess Mentioned in the books of Samuel, the books of Kings, and the books of Chronicles. This prophetess Huldah. So my question is, I want to ask this: Does anybody know the other prophets who lived at this time during the Josiah's reign? Not much later, though. But they were during, yeah. Uh, we had Zephaniah, Jeremiah were there. And uh, there were a couple of prophets. But this tells me she was well respected and had a very high place in that time and that place. Also, I know she was a prophetess because she told them what God told her to tell her. My question is, the message she gave, was it what they wanted to hear? No. Not at all. In fact, she tells them plainly, and this is from God now, that God was going to send disaster on Jerusalem, on Judah, and my question would be, whose fault is it? It's their fault. Amen. Yeah, Because of their idolatry, 
because of the rebellion, because of the fact they had left God. It's their own fault. So the news wasn't good for the nation of Judah. Would you agree they were going to reap what they had sown? Sure. But also, the prophetess said God had a little better message for Josiah. What was that message? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Is that grace? All because Josiah humbled himself before the Lord. He responded to God's word. When he heard it, he rent his clothes. He repented. And because of that, Josiah would experience the mercy of God. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, Pharaoh Nico, that's exactly how it happened. But he died in 609, four years. Four years before Nebuchadnezzar first attacked Jerusalem. Does God keep his word? Absolutely. Also understand something, folks. Paul said that the Bible is written for our admonition. And we need to learn not just the story and the fact of Josiah, but we have to understand men and women like him set examples for us, examples of obeying God's word, and we need to obey God's word as well. Let's apply it. Humbly follow the Lord. Make his word a priority in your life. And obey all of his, his commandments and precepts. So my question would be this morning. We know that Josiah was humble before the Lord. Why is humility important if we're going to follow God? Why is it important? Why is it important if we're going to follow God? Amen. Pride says, hey, I can do it on my own. I don't need God's help. So we've got to humble ourselves before the Lord. All right, key point number one, we honor God and obey his word, making it our final authority on what we believe in practice. Key truth number two, we are set, we set an example of obedience and deal with our sin. Somebody read the first three verses of chapter 23. Let's skip down and read, read verses 20 through 25. Verse 20 through 25, please. I am all the abominations of the 
Thank you, Jordan. Josiah, not only did he hear the word of the Lord, what did he do next? He followed. He obeyed it. Now, again, as you mentioned, Wayne, he realized how far they had fallen as a nation away from God's word. And one of the first things he does, he goes to the house of the Lord. Can you imagine this? And he's standing there in front of all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, all kinds of people. And he reads those words in their hearing. And right there, Josiah makes a covenant with God. I'm going to follow God's word. I am going to follow this word of God. <laughs> it's interesting. The Bible says the people agreed. We're going to follow too. Now, who set the example first? Who set the standard? The king did. Then in chapter 2, one of the first things he does, he kills all the pagan priests. He obeys God's word. And he takes and he burns the bones of men on all of these pagan altars. Why? It was foretold that he would. But what did that do to those altars? It desecrated them. And people wouldn't even dare to use them again as a place of worship. So in making a covenant with God, he deals with the sin. Um, Wow. But then he holds a Passover. And from what I understand, the first Passover of his reign, and here in chapter 23 in Second Kings, it says it was unlike any Passover was ever held in Judah since the time of the judges. And by the way, I would encourage you to go home today and read the parallel account of Second Chronicles. Gives more detail. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't even imagine. The festivity of this Passover. He even invited some of the Israelites from the northern kingdom to come and join in this special Passover. <laughs> and God's word says he also took those who were involved in witchcraft and uh, all kinds of shenanigans, if you will, and he put them away. It means he killed them. And the reason he did it, according to this, it was written in the book of the law. 
What did God tell Israel to do with all the people of the land of promise when they go in there? Drive them out. Destroy all their pagan images. How much time I got left, Jason? And Josiah did that. He did that. So Josiah, he leads by example. He commits himself to God. The people following that. What a way uh, to do that is to lead by example. Now, it's also interesting The Bible says there was no other king. What does no other king mean? Only one. In all these years, I mean, all those different kingdoms, he was like unto David. But from now on, it's going to change. Josiah has set the example. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the testimony he had among the people? And so Josiah began, if you will, and established a level of devotion the nation of Judah had never, ever, ever, ever seen. And my friend, God took note of that. I want to tell you, folks, God is good. He keeps his word. God expects us to obey his word, not to skirt the issue, but deal with it according to the word of God. Let's stand together. Next week, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. And we're going to find out, as hard as it is to repent, there's joy in repentance. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of the men and women of Scripture who live for you. Help us, God, to follow those examples. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless each one of you.